For WVCW Radio, I'm Fidel Alasan. You're listening to One Credit News, the premier podcast for the latest at VCU. In this week's episode, Sean Jackson, a columnist at the Commonwealth Times, joins our production assistant Katie Bashista, who's arts and entertainment editor at the CT, for a discussion about his unique eye for fashion. And we continue our segment about space exploration with a discussion with VCU professor Robert Gowdy on dark matter. But first, the lead story this week is a national story. The country has a new Supreme Court justice this morning. Brett Kavanaugh was sworn in overnight, ending an epic and bitter battle. Again, it's the confirmation of now Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh after a bitter partisan fight in the U.S. Senate. The Senate voted to confirm Kavanaugh with a slim 50-48 majority in a roll call vote. That's the lowest majority any Supreme Court justice has ever gone through with. But there were some small surprises, if you will. Senator Joe Manchin, for example, he's a Democrat from West Virginia, so a red state Democrat. He voted to confirm Kavanaugh, and he was the only Democrat to do so, while Lisa Murkowski, the Republican Alaska senator, withdrew her vote. So essentially opposing the nomination, she was the only Republican to oppose it. In the midst of all this, there are protesters just interrupting the vote on the Senate floor, and it made for some really dramatic moments as people were watching at home live on television. But a short time after, Kavanaugh was sworn in, and on Monday he got to work. So no matter what happens in Trump's presidency now, the fact that he was able to see out this conservative vision for the Supreme Court, which now has a 5-3 conservative majority, and also that he was able to inundate the federal courts with conservatives, those things will be a big part of his legacy and will have an impact for possibly decades and decades to come. Trump is having an impact on the judiciary that many presidents wish they had. But the fact that this justice's confirmation was marred by allegations of sexual misconduct, that will forever be an asterisk on his legacy on the bench. So this week, I want to look at how we got here. How did we get the smallest ever majority to confirm a Supreme Court justice? to you with major breaking news from the world of politics. Uh, Supreme Court Justice Anthony M. Kennedy announcing he will retire. This leaves a major opening. Kavanaugh's story really starts in June when Justice Anthony Kennedy, he's a conservative but is known to swing to the other side on some issues. He announces that he's retiring. And of course, the Democrats in the Senate and around the country immediately oppose the president replacing him until after the midterm elections. They recognize that this could imperil crucial court precedents like Roe v. Wade and Obergefell, which made gay marriage constitutional. And Chuck Schumer, the Democratic leader in the Senate, remembers what happened in 2016 when President Obama nominated Merrick Garland to replace Justice Antonin Scalia, who died. And Republicans then refused to even give him a hearing, saying that Obama shouldn't be able to nominate someone in a presidential election year. And of course, Trump ends up winning the election and he gets to pick that justice. So Schumer says the same rule should apply now with the midterms, but Mitch McConnell, the leader of Senate Republicans, is having none of that. And neither is Donald Trump. 
really wants to hurry up and approve someone in the Senate before the midterms. That way he's still assured a Republican majority in the Senate. And so he goes back to a list of 25 potential conservative nominees that he released during the 2016 election. And that list has some household Republican legal minds with what are considered six frontrunners who are all appellate court judges. There's Thomas Hardiman, William Pryor, Amul Tapar, Joan Larson, Amy Coney Barrett, and Brett Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh is pretty conservative. He's 53, which is young for someone in this position, and he has a pretty firm view of a strong president that shouldn't be subject to legal pressures like indictments. And all of those things are probably very appealing to Donald Trump. And in early July... Tonight, it is my honor and privilege to announce that I will nominate Judge Brett Kavanaugh to the United States Supreme Court. That's who Trump announces that he'll go with. And so it sets up this legal battle to get Kavanaugh confirmed by the Senate before the midterms. On September 4th, Kavanaugh comes down to Washington for three days of hearings before the Senate Judiciary Committee. That's the 21-member committee in the Senate which will vote on whether to send his nomination to the full Senate. It's controlled by Republicans. But Democrats are employing a strategy of trying to delay and disrupt these hearings. Mr. Chairman. Brett Kavanaugh. Mr. Chairman. To serve as Associate Justice. Mr. Chairman, I'd like to be recognized for a question before we on some technicalities and the fact that there are thousands of documents on Kavanaugh's background that haven't been reviewed by the committee. Less than 15 hours ago, 42,000 pages of documents that we have not... Meanwhile, protesters, one after the other, are yelling and screaming and getting kicked out of the Senate Judiciary Committee room. And these hearings, which are typically very milquetoast, become a spectacle on live television and on C-SPAN. Then on September 12th, about a week after the hearings, The Intercept drops a bombshell report saying that Senator Dianne Feinstein has a secret letter detailing allegations of sexual assault against Kavanaugh. Four days later, the Washington Post runs a story in which Christine Blasey Ford is on the record. And this really puts meat on the bones of this entire story. It's all very graphic stuff detailing Kavanaugh's alleged behavior at a high school party. She says he and his friend, Mark Judge, trapped her in a room and sexually assaulted her and covered her mouth while she attempted to scream. And while she says she ultimately got away, she describes the event as causing her years of anxiety thereafter. And Kavanaugh immediately denies the allegations. But all of this leads to senators calling for an investigation into this matter, and Ford and Kavanaugh both accept to appear before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Then a second accuser comes forward, Deborah Ramirez. She claims Kavanaugh exposed himself to her at a college party at Yale. Days later, a third woman submits a statement to the committee, Julie Swetnick, and she claims Kavanaugh and Judge were at a party where she was gang raped. Then on September 27th, Ford and Kavanaugh appear before the committee and Ford details the allegations in a very remarkable and detailed hearing. She tells the senators that she is 100% sure that Kavanaugh sexually assaulted her. 
Hours later, Kavanaugh testifies and he denies the allegations totally and says they're a political ploy by the Democrats. The next day, the committee is ready to hold a vote on whether to send the nomination to the full Senate, and it's unclear which way some senators will vote. Then Jeff Flake releases a statement in support of Kavanaugh. I imagine that for the next 50 years, they will have to have someone And moments later, he's confronted and cornered by women in an elevator, including survivors of sexual assault. I was sexually assaulted and nobody believed me. I didn't tell anyone and you're telling all women that they don't matter, that they should just stay quiet because if they tell you what happened to them, you're going to ignore them. That's what happened to me and that's what you're telling all women in America, that they don't matter, they should just keep it to themselves because if they have told the truth, you're just gonna help that man to power anyway. And he looks genuinely pretty moved by this. Then when it's time to vote, he announces this deal with Senator Chris Coons, a Democrat from Delaware, to delay the vote for at least a week while the FBI investigates the allegations. But in that week, there are still issues with the investigation and questions about whether the White House, which has directed it, is severely limiting the scope. And amid that criticism, the White House slightly expands the probe. And last Friday, the findings of that investigation were delivered to the committee and placed in a vault for senators to come read. On Saturday, it's all over, and Kavanaugh is approved with a 50 to 48 majority. But this conversation about sexual assault allegations and where we go from here, that really picks up with these events. And as for the Supreme Court, it seems like time will be the only way that we can tell what the implications of such an ideological shift on the court will be in terms of law. For WVCW Radio, I'm Fidel Allison. I'm Katie Bashista, Spectrum Editor for the Commonwealth Times and Production Assistant for WVCW News. This week, I sat down with Sean Jackson, Staff Columnist for the Commonwealth Times. Sean has an advice column called An Ode to Self-Care, where he answers questions about relationships, social life, politics, and really just anything the average young adult might need some guidance on. Our conversation this week focused on Sean's fashion and where he finds his inspiration from.
I'm here with Sean Jackson, a clinical psychology major and staff columnist for the Commonwealth Times. Sean, would you like to say hello? Hi, Katie. How are you? I'm great. How are you today? I am phenomenal. Awesome. Okay. So the other day, you and I were having a conversation about your fashion, and you mentioned where you get your inspiration from. Oh, yeah. My thinspiration. Yes, your thinspiration. <laughs> would you like to talk a little bit about that? <laughs> So uh, a couple of months ago, I was walking down the street with my friend Diego, and I I think we were just going from his house to my house, and um, people were just staring, as people tend to do. Not that I wear anything for, I don't know. I just sort of command and demand attention, like a cheerleader, like a cheer captain. And Diego's like, uh, he's from Peru, so I guess there's uh, like a cultural thing. He was just wondering why everybody was staring, and he's really short with a big afro, and I'm tall, and obviously, if you know how I dress. We, our conversation got to the point where he was just asking where my inspiration comes from, and it was just, you know, superheroes. I love superheroes. A lot of the women I idolize that are fictional, you know, they are half naked and wear capes. I just figured I should be half naked and wear capes all the time. Yeah, so for anybody that doesn't know Sean, Sean is constantly wearing these really long cardigans that just flow in the wind. Yeah, he man. just looks so graceful. And usually a crop top or something. Right, yeah. He's about to switch up for the fall. Mm, what can we expect from Sean Jackson's <laughs> closet in the fall? Uh, but you know, just you know, longer cardigans, and I want to go crazy with knits. And I've okay. been, you know, keeping up with Vogue Runway. Black is in with accented colors, like mm. plums and just reds. And I don't know. I'm going to look like Miss Dior. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Do you have specific characters that you grab inspiration from? Usually just designers. I sound so trash because I hate celebrity culture, but I love celebrity culture. So uh, I've been really feeling oversized pieces because of Ariana, where I'll do like body chains, summer body chains were a thing just because, you know, Rihanna. Rihanna's always that girl. I think you can grab inspiration from her, whoever you are. Like, it does not matter. Or I'll just, um, I don't know. I'll just feel mad witchy when I throw on something like Lana Del Rey or Stevie Nicks ass. How long would you say you've had this specific style with your fashion? I'd say, because I like to think of myself, I like to think of everybody, like to have the capacity to constantly evolve. Right. So I think this has been something I've kind of been going with for the last three years. Starting out, when I look at the cardigans I never wear anymore that are just as long, and I'm like, who was that, you know? <laughs> you ever just look back in your closet and you're like, oh yeah. But I don't throw it away because I still feel something when I look at the garments, so mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, that was a good time. <laughs> you know, they, they all become in-house pajama clothes mm. at some point. fashion tips for me you are flawless oh, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't ever change that's my first tip okay. no um you always look so good like, I wouldn't say always you didn't see me yesterday yesterday was a rough day for me I mean but yesterday was a Monday <laughs> no today's Monday <laughs> today's Monday today's oh my Monday. god Sean Jackson's never seen a calendar folks. Um, no but like I don't know it was a Sunday lazy Sunday yeah lazy Sunday. I believe in you're casual right, Sundays right. but like I don't know <laughs> Even if you dress down, you can still like dress up. I was wearing sweatpants here the other day. Everybody in the business office lost it. Like Jacob and like 
Hayden. Hayden was the one who like called it and was like, I've never seen you like wearing pants, much less sweatpants. And Jacob was like, those are joggers. And I was like, yeah, thank you. I looked, I just got back from the gym and I like got a smoothie, so I just ran in real quick. <laughs> Love that. You also have a fantastic strut about you. You are like, always walking down a runway. How did you train yourself to do that? Because I slouch, <laughs> I don't hold myself up like that. Okay, look, this has been killing me ever since I moved to Richmond. That is just how I walk. I love that. <laughs> like, look, I've, I've like had surgery and all that. I don't know. It's oh just how gosh, I walk. Oh my gosh, I've never noticed that scar before. Yeah, I've, I've, I've had work done, y'all. <laughs> no, um, I don't know. I just believe in one foot in front of the other and your hips being in motion. These rough <laughs> Richmond sidewalks are your runway, so Have you ever that. seen the, the, the models in New York Fashion Week? Yeah. The cobblestone? I know. You have yeah. to have that sort of tenacity. Which model do you channel? Who's your alter ego model? Oh my god. It's Naomi Campbell. Yeah, okay, right. <laughs> I knew it was like. I was like, you're looking at me like you knew the answer. I'm like, why I is did, she even yeah. asking? <laughs> yeah, Naomi, you know, she just broke so many barriers right. and has just always remained that girl and still very much is. She is that girl. But yeah, I just find it very interesting how much inspiration you take from your superhero love and comic book love. I think it's awesome. Thank you. And <laughs> I'm gonna cry. It's just different. Like I thought it was super interesting when we talked about that and I was like, oh my god, the long the long cardigans, they make so much sense. <laughs> like I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Sean. It is not a problem. I'm always here to help, inspire, <laughs> and create, and evolve other people. Right. And if you ever need any advice <laughs> with anything fashion-related or life-related or school-related, anything, send Sean an email or a message on Tumblr. Yes. You can submit them anonymously if you want, folks. But yeah, um, the Commonwealth Times and Ode to Self-Care. Google it, look it up, and you can see how to uh, submit questions. And I will answer them <laughs> in my best capacity. And we'll have a good time. will tell you that the world we live in is not even half the story, and that the universe is an unexplored celestial jungle. But our thirst for knowledge compels us to discover more. In our continuing series, Watch This Space, correspondent Juliana Makedo delves into the mystery of dark matter with VCU physics professor Robert Gowdy. It's out of this world. So hello, Professor. Would you like to tell me something about dark energy okay. and matter? Okay, well, first of all, dark energy is hopeless. Uh, hopeless. So, uh, so I'm, I'm going to start off with dark matter. All right, uh, because perfect. It, basically, the dark matter is stuff that we can't see, 
but we can tell it's there because of its gravitational effects. Okay. So we, we see uh, galaxies, which, sh according to the amount of matter we can see, should be flying apart. Yeah. Uh, but something's holding them together. And so that's, that's the dark matter. It's, other than the fact that we can't see it, it's pretty much ordinary matter. Mm -hmm. uh, our theories tell us that it can't be exactly ordinary matter because it, if you had that amount of ordinary matter back at the Big Bang, the Big Bang would not have worked out the way it did. And so why is that? The Big Bang would have been too hot and it would have burned up all of the deuterium and we have a lot of deuterium in the universe. So and what is deuterium? Deuterium, deuterium. is an, it's a proton and a neutron stuck together. You can think of it sort of like uh, the analogy of uh, carbon monoxide when you burn something. It's a result of incomplete combustion. The fusion, when you try to fuse hydrogen, you get all the way to helium. If the reaction stops somewhere, you end up with a lot of these sort of deuterium things, uh, so half of heliums. Anyhow, we're pretty sure that this stuff cannot be made out of protons. It cannot be ordinary matter. But it's, and it what distinguishes be. the two? Ordinary versus uh, dark, well, or dark matter? Well, the ordinary matter, that's things like protons and neutrons, mm -hmm. uh, the cores of atoms. This would have to be, this could be some other kind of particle. So not, and people are trying very, very hard to detect these particles. They figure one of the things they're called is possibly weakly interacting Massive particles, wimps. Oh, well, perfect. They <laughs> but, got a good. But uh, so far, though, the experiments have been getting more and more delicate, more and more sensitive, and they are ruling out more and more candidates for dark matter. So, really, don't know what it is. Dark energy, you mentioned. Yeah. That is extremely weird. It's ba it's basically something that Einstein thought of long ago, called the cosmological constant. It's matter with negative pressure and. I didn't even know matter could have pressure at all. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can have a gas with pressure. Uh, one of the changes that Einstein made to Newton's theory of gravity mm. was that pressure could be a source of gravity. That's one way to understand, by the way, how black holes come about. If the pressure goes high enough, it stops. It isn't stopping the collapse anymore. It's making it worse. Negative pressure will repel. And so this negative pressure stuff in the universe is causing the universe expansion to increase. So it's a expanding at an accelerating rate. So is that kind of the explanation for the expansion of the universe? No, no. Are? That's Well, in the beginning, there, there's something called inflationary cosmology, which says there was a lot of this negative pressure stuff back in the very beginning, which caused the universe to grow really, really fast. But now it's back again and uh, accelerating <laughs> again. That, that's the main evidence we have for uh, dark energy. We know that the universe's ex expansion rate is accelerating. That's pretty much it, I mean, in terms of what we know. Theoretically, dark matter is very strange. If you have an ordinary matter and you're moving through it, you can tell that you're moving through it. It'll look different. It's coming at you uh -huh. like, and so on. If you have dark energy and you're moving through it, even close to the speed of light, it will look exactly the same as if you were at rest relative to it. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah. So have they done experiments doing that? Or is this a science? No, no, that's just the, the way the theory works. Uh -huh. They think one possibility is that it's vacuum energy, energy of the vacuum state. But again, there's only that one shred of evidence for dark energy, the expansion rate, and very large number of theories. Yes, uh, I, I <laughs> that's see it. that. And so when it comes to dark energy and dark matter, for those of us who aren't super sciencey mm -hmm. and don't really know exactly what the difference is, what is the difference between energy and matter? Well, in this case, the dark matter has positive pressure. Mm -hmm. and, and dark energy. And is... also dark matter. You can be at rest relative to dark matter. 
if you're moving through it, you can tell you're moving through it. Yes. Uh, dark energy has negative pressure, and it looks the same to all moving observers, but it doesn't matter how they're moving. Wow. So that's... That's very interesting, because I don't know much about space, but I did used to want to be an astronaut. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. I found out I couldn't because I've got scoliosis, and you got to have a strong back to be an astronaut. But okay. when it comes to science, it says that it's invisible to light, these dark energies or matter. Yeah, it's not giving off any light, and it's not reflecting anything. Right? So how is it because of Einstein's theory of relativity, or one of Einstein's theories, that he says that they're there and that it exists? Uh, yeah, well, you don't even need Einstein's theory uh, for, for dark matter. Uh, it's just Newton's theory of gravity that says everything attracts everything else is enough. And if you see a bunch of stuff that should be flying apart and it's not, you know something's there holding it together. That's pretty much all the evidence for dark matter. When you get to really big scales, you have to use Einstein's theory instead of Newton's theory, but qualitatively, still the same thing. Interesting. And when I was doing my research on dark energy and matter before I came here and talked to you today, the papers and things that I was reading were saying about something called gravitational lensing. Do you have any idea about what that oh, is? Oh yeah, yeah. This is one of the ways that we can actually map where the dark matter is. Galileo told us that everything falls the same way in a gravitational field. Mm -hmm. And just like pretty much everything Galileo ever said is a, been exactly right forever. Genius, uh, <laughs> Genius man. <laughs> yeah, so he was right even to the extent that light falls the same way as everything else in a gravitational field. So if you have light going past a concentration of matter, it's going to get bent. Mm -hmm. It's going to deviate. And if you get on the other side of it, look at a star across a sort of a big concentration of matter, then the light will be bent around the star, uh, just like a lens was bending it. That's called gravitational lensing. And one of the things they can do is they can work backwards from where what's happening with the stars and where, how the light is being bent to figure out what where the stuff is that's bending it and make themselves a map of where the dark energy of where the dark matter is. Yes. So this is one of the reasons we're convinced dark matter is real. We we can actually map it out and see where it is. Do they and they do this? It's a special telescope, I'm assuming, or is it more uh, technology based? Most of it is computer processing of. Uh, where all these images are. Mm -hmm. And where do they, they get the images from where? The telescopes. The telescopes and things like and that. Things like that. Right, right. And even just having these talks like this, I'm still blown by how crazy and wild the universe is mm -hmm. that we live in and so many unanswered questions. And even though there's research done on these things, there's still so much that we don't know that is why scientists and professors like you come about and teach people like me and all of the listeners that our universe should be explored more because yeah. we're living in such a wonderful, unfathomable place uh -huh. to be exact. One Credit News is produced by me. Fidel Alasan, with editing help from Tori Wingo. Katie Bashista is our production assistant. Juliana Makedo is our correspondent. Special thanks to our guests, Sean Jackson and Robert Gowdy. That's it for this week. See you next Tuesday. Music